If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to Mark 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. Let them get you one, and uh, we, will, uh, we will share along with you. If you don't own one, you keep that one. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, we're going to Mark 3. We'll be bouncing around a little bit. We'd love for you to, uh, to follow us along in Scripture uh, with us. Uh, by the way, go Preds. Um, yep. And, uh, uh, yeah. And then, um, uh, so with this family thing, uh, we've been walking through the book of Mark together. And uh, with this family thing, um, you know, and talking about this today, uh, I, I posted a post last night just letting anybody want to just share you know, uh, you know, stories about or things that they love about their family or whatever, and, and some of that's me fishing to see if I can get some good juicy material to uh, to share on Sunday morning, and and I got a little bit, and so I'm gonna share some of that with you this morning. Um, I'll share a couple things here with you. A couple people, um, Dottie Flynn, uh, who is married to my childhood best friend. They still live in good old Princeton, Kentucky, which is where I was born, um, and. Um, uh, they, at least Josh, I know, uh, uh, apparently listen to the podcast pretty, uh, pretty faithfully because uh, when I do see them, they, they make mention and will randomly talk about stuff, and I'm like, how do you know about that? And they're like, what? so you talked about it in a message, and I'm like, but you're not here. Oh, well, we listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Uh, so I think it's weird anybody would want to listen to it, but whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, and, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, Dottie uh, shared with us this. She said, uh, my real dad never had much to do with me, and my grandpa was the only father I knew. He passed away, and shortly after, mom met George, who is my stepdad now. He didn't have, he didn't have to, but took me in like his own. Now I work for them at the family business. Don't know what I would do without him. Family doesn't have to be only blood, because uh, my father didn't care near as much about for me as my stepdad does. He, he loves Jay Lee and Jackson, which is their kids, uh, just like his son's kids. Uh, pretty awesome. That's a, great, that's a great picture, isn't it, of, of just loving and caring for people. Uh, here's another one. Chad Corwin, uh, Corwin shared this. He said, uh, there's nothing that my wife doesn't support me doing. I always joke with her that I came home telling her that I'm going to join a unicycle club and I wanted her to get involved, she should sign up. The unicycle theory is what it's known by. Uh, with that being said, if it wasn't for her support in every single thing I do, I wouldn't be who I am today. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and that's, and that's, you know, that's what you, you're hopeful for in a spouse, obviously, uh, either way. And, uh, and then uh, the other one I wanted to share is actually one of my former students from when I was a youth pastor, and her name is Brandy DeLee. <laughs> you just got to know Brandy. Like and, and if she ever hears this, she's gonna flip. I'm gonna message her later today because I, I've 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 got more, I want more information on some of this, which I'll explain in a minute. Uh, but Brandy uh, posted up about her dad, and uh, you got to know her dad, Paul DeLee. He is an amazing man. He loves Jesus. He loves people. He loves his family. He loves his kids. Uh, we're talking about a guy that I mean, point blank has told me, and he's in you know he's he can back it up. He's got the ability to back it up. God's blessed them as a family. Uh, he owns a car lot and stuff, but he's told me for years, you know, if my kids dream up something that they feel led to do, then I will back them and we will make it happen. I mean, it's a pretty awesome thing to be able to say to your kids. And, uh, but I mean, he just, he loves his kids. And he said, no matter, you know, what they do, whatever mistakes they make, I'm going to love them. And, and that's true. 
And Brandy is a testimony to that. Uh, and she'll appreciate me saying she'll appreciate me saying that too. Uh, but so Brandy puts on there, uh, you know, what can I say about my dad? Uh, it's like the time that uh, you know, I ordered a pizza for him, and she works for him at the lot, or at least she used to. I think she still does. Uh, she works for him at the lot, and uh, at the car lot. And she said, you know, one time Dad wanted pizza, and he wanted all meat, nothing but meat. And so she places an order for a pizza, and tells him, you know, I want the all. Give me, give me just tons of meat on this pizza. Whatever you got that's meat, put it on the pizza and send it up here. The pizza gets there. They take it in there to him. Pizza guy leaves, whatever. He finally gets around opening up the box, and they brought him a cheese pizza. <laughs> Paul DeLee is a, one of those larger-than-life type men, you know? And, uh, and Paul, and I can, I can so see every bit of this happening. Paul apparently comes out of the office yelling at Brandy, Brandy, you dumb, you can't even order a pizza right and about that time, opens the front door to the, to, the, to the dealership and takes that pizza and slings the whole thing right out into the parking lot. I'm sure right on top of the cars. I mean, this man really doesn't care. He's like, whatever, you know. And, uh, you, know, but, you know, but then she, she makes a statement, you know. But the truth is, is through everything, he has always loved me. She actually added a little bit. She said, you know, mom actually might take the cake because she's done some crazy things, including uh, that time that she bought hazmat suits for us to all be ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> to which I have to believe that there are pictures of these children wearing these hazmat suits. If you knew this family like I knew this family, there's pictures somewhere of these hazmat suits. And I'm going to find them, and I'm going to get them, and I'm going to post them. So you'll see them coming, all right? Uh, by the way, Josh DeLee was Brandy's brother. Brandy was the oldest. Josh was, uh, Josh was the drummer here at 24 for a long time, back in the early days. If you ever came in the early days, you probably saw Josh playing drums. A lot of people called him Animal. But uh, anyway, um, but uh, love that family and appreciate them sharing. You know, family is one of those things, you know, uh, you know it's, it's funny. You know, we, we can laugh. You know, it's, it's funny now. That's, that's the thing that we say is, it's funny now. It's all these situations that we usually laugh at. Like the day that Paul was tossing pizza on top of used cars, I can guarantee you, was not a happy moment at that time. But now, now we get to laugh about things like that. And uh, we all have those things uh, within our family. And, and, you know, Jesus is no different. Jesus had moments with his family where... They thought he was crazy. In fact, we've already read, and we're going to read it again. We read this passage here just a few weeks ago in Mark chapter 3 where we see Jesus' mom and, and probably brothers and whatnot. They've come, and you know he's come, he's come back home. Uh, well, let's just read it. Mark 3, verse 20, and it says this. It says, they, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. So, Jesus' family coming outside, like, dude, come on, you're losing it. Like, they think he's crazy. They're like, you're losing, you know, and why? Well, it's because family cares for family. And sometimes, sometimes we care for family in weird ways, but sometimes, and sometimes we take it to extremes. In this situation, I think this is just good old mama loving. You know, uh, you know, a mama wants to see her son eat. If you got a kid that doesn't eat and you're a mama, you start getting worried about it, don't you? I mean, even now, 
we can go to my parents' house, and we can be there, and I, you know, and everybody's eating, whatever, and, and maybe I'm not eating because I just ate, you know, a few hours before, and my mom will come in there, and my dad too, are you, you going to eat? Well, I might get a little something in a little bit. Well, you need to eat. I'm like, have you seen me? I'm doing all right. I just killed 15 baskets of chips and salsa at the Mexican restaurant three hours ago. We're going to let that work its way on, and then maybe I can eat some of this, whatever you got mess going on here. That's what, that's what mamas do. They, they worry, worry about their kids. And Jesus was no exception. You know, and, and, and the truth is, is we see a little bit of the humanity of what Jesus had going on with his family. And in this situation, what we had, and we've already studied this passage, so I won't go super deep into it. But, you know, what you had is you had the situation of Jesus had been healing people. And then all these other sick people are like, oh my gosh, I got to find this guy Jesus so I can get healed too. And so he's, you know, they're coming to him, but Jesus wasn't healing people to make them feel better. He was healing them so that they would hear the gospel. And so I can guarantee you, these people are showing up. And Jesus is like, well, I need to go explain this again. I need to go, I need to go out here and tell them who I am. I need to, I need, they need to start to begin to understand what the gospel is really about. And so Jesus wasn't, you know, he wasn't mincing words, and he wasn't going to lose the opportunities. He wasn't just going to be like, boom, you're all healed, go home. He's like, before I do this, let me, let me explain some things. Let me talk to you about the kingdom of God. Because, see, Jesus had come to bring the kingdom of God. And part of what he did in bringing the kingdom of God was also to bring a new family. A new family. We talk about the church. Nathan may mention this. I don't know. Uh, we talk about the church sometimes. And when we talk about the church, a lot of times we talk. When we say the word church, a lot of times we mean an event or a building. I'm going to church. Well, we don't go to church. We are the church. The people are the church. Jesus understood this, and this is the family that he came for us to have a new family is the church. Let's read about it. Mark 3, going on down, verse 31. And it says, this says, And his, mo- his mother and brothers came, and, out- and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. So you imagine, we've got another situation of Jesus, again, hanging out, probably somebody's house, and there's a big crowd of people. I mean, it's just getting to that point where big crowds of people are following Jesus everywhere he goes, and a lot of it is because they've heard he's healing people and all that kind of stuff. But in the midst of of all of this, in, in what's happening with Jesus, you know, his family still kind of, you know, trying to, trying to keep tabs on him, kind of track, track him down, make sure he's doing okay. Well, they've come on this scene just as we saw them in the last. Of course, the last was at his other, it, it's actually at his house. But here he is somewhere else, and they've come. So you can imagine they get there, there's crowds, and they're trying to make their way. And in the midst of making their way and trying to get through, they can only get so far, and they can't get to the mosh pit or whatever it is. And they get so far in the crowd, and they're like, hey, will you, will you tell Jesus that, tell him his mom and his brothers are here. We're here. Tell him we're here. Tell him his family's here. So that guy's telling some other guy, and he's yelling up, hey, tell Jesus his family's here, you know, and so on and so forth. Finally, he gets word to Jesus. Well, you think, okay, well, cool. Jesus would be like, oh, great, family's here, guys. Let me introduce you to mom and the bros. 
Verse 33. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Let me me help you understand something that's pretty important here. Let me help you to kind of track the importance of the bigness of what Jesus is saying here. At that point in time, in this culture, these people were people that, I mean, family was everything. It was sacred. Like, like you may be one of those people that's like, oh yeah, my family's important, and we, you know, you know, we, you know, we're there for each other, always got each other's backs, you know, we, we do all the holidays and all this kind of stuff. I, I, even if you're one of those people that could say, my family is everything and they're whatever, I, I'm going to tell you, the level of what family meant to these people in the Jewish culture at this time was a, was a level way above what any of us know. Like, it was sacred. When, G, when, when his mom and his brothers show up, and he says to them, who are my mother and my brothers? When he says that, they, I, I guarantee you, that entire crowd at that moment in time, at least for a half second, begin to doubt who this man was that they were following. They were probably all like, oh, what? What? I thought this guy was from God. I thought this guy was, I thought this was one of the good guys. I thought this guy was about us. I thought he was one of us. He, he, is he disowning his mom and his brothers? No, he's not. He goes on, and, he, and he's, what he does is he's using this as a moment, he's taking something that's sacred to them, and he's kind of blowing it up, first of all. But he's taking this moment to teach them about something that's new. A new family. And he says, here, talking and looking at the, at the people that are around him here in this crowd, he says, here, here are my mother and my brothers. And he goes on, he says, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is taking this chance to take a moment, to take a situation and teach the crowd something that is super important about the kingdom of God, and that's that we have a family within God himself. We have a family. When, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the family. I just want you to know that. In case you ever didn't know that, I, you very rarely hear me say, meet me up at church or, you know, let's go to church or whatever. I, I, I say, I say, you meet me at the warehouse, uh, you know, or whatever. I mean, it's a warehouse. Let's face it, folks, okay? You can't dress it up anymore. Although I have seen some plans this week from our architect that look amazing, by the way, uh, which I can't wait to share with people. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome stuff. But, but let me say this too. Let me say that I am so glad that the church is not a building. I'm so glad that it's not about like how big we can build something or pretty we can make it or whatever, that at the end of the day, the church is the body, it is us, it is the people, it is the believers, and we are called to be a family. A family. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I think a lot of Christians believe that wholeheartedly but they don't, want to take, they don't want to take the extra steps of actually being a part of the family. Like, 
let's just face it, it's easy to go to church on Sunday morning. And, you know, we, we can go to church, we worship Jesus, oh, Jesus, I love you, and I'm praying, and, you know, get a preacher preaching, we get to Word, and we get to be able to leave that day and go, man, we got to Word today, you know? And then I'll have people even come to me and go, man, preacher, you, you stepped on my feet this morning, but it was good, I liked it, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's good, that's good. I, I didn't do that, the Holy Spirit did that, by the way. Um, but I think that it's important for us to understand that just because we attend services together doesn't make us family. And we know that. And that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons why you hear us push things all the time. Hear, you, hear us push things like micro churches and all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot we, we, we do that because we want people to find family here. We don't want, we don't want to create a scenario where there's, this is just a place where you attend and worship you know, together, but you don't really get to know each other. That's not family. That's not family. I call, if, if I get Brandy to Lee on the phone, she could tell us stories about her brother Josh that would make him want to die, you know, because she knows him because he is her brother. I love that about family. I love that about family. I love that we can know that about each other. I love that we can know these things, that we, we can go through things together. What, what's he say right there? He says, here, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. For whoever does the will of God. What does that mean? For whoever does the will of God. Well, that is basically saying, God, your will be done and not mine. So that's a group of people that together, as a family, are seeking the Lord and saying collectively, God, you lead us, your will be done, not ours. Jesus isn't dissing his family in this moment and disowning them. Jesus, Jesus loves his family. In fact, we have Jesus all over the place uh, reminding us of things like honoring our father and mother and uh, you know, uh, we see him caring very much for his mother and for, uh, you know, his other siblings and stuff. We see, we see all that through Scripture. Jesus is trying to take a second to rattle the cages. And he's, and he's doing it. He's rattling the cages at a moment, and he's taking something that's a sacred cow amongst people that we all could say, well, it's family. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with family being important, but Jesus is making a point here that, that, that really, really, resonates and carries into something that's even more important. And he's, he's, he's making a point here that, that even our own families can't be more important. Even our own families can't be more important than our relationship with God. Say, so Chris, that sounds like crazy. That sounds crazy. Are you sure about that? You sure you believe that? My wife's sitting right here and my son. Let me tell you something that's very important to our Christian faith, and that's that we have to understand that if we don't love God first, I, if I don't love God first, I won't love them the way that I should. And that's all over Scripture. All over Scripture. For us to understand that. I want, I want my daughters, and, and here's, here's another, here's, you turn this, if we're, we're just going to go down this road, we'll just go, okay? If my daughters are going to grow up and one day find men who that they want to marry, I want them to see firsthand what it looks like to have seen a man who loves God first 
and there in turn has loved his wife as he really should. Ladies, I don't know if you realize this or not, but to get a true godly man who loves Jesus before he loves you is to have a man that you would be married to for the rest of your life, that he would literally do everything for you to the point of giving himself up just like Christ did for the church. Ephesians 5. Our marriages are a picture of Christ's love for the church. That's what our marriages are. And for the world to see that in us is an amazing thing, and it shows them true love. It shows them true humility. You put pride into that, and you blow it up, okay? Furthermore, so, so therefore, I should love my wife even more than I love my kids. They need to see that. I want them to see that. I want my girls, I want my little girls who are going to grow up to one day be able to say, I'm not dating that guy because he likes that thing over there too much. Or he loves that too much. I don't want them to settle for anything less than a man that would love them like Christ has loved the church. And that only happens if you love Jesus first. You see, that that one piece of the puzzle changes everything in our lives. It changes how we care and love all of the people around us. Not just, not just our spouses, not just our kids. It, 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 go, it goes for how we treat our friends. It goes for how we treat the people we work with. All of these things. If we love Jesus first, He changes how we see all of those people that God has placed in our lives. Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's go on to Romans. Book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and in verse 14, we see, we see God, you know, help us to understand even just a little more of bringing us into the family. And I think it's awesome. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, it says... For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So there's, there's a piece of that family thing right there. That we would be sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So it's being led by the Spirit. We've been talking about that last couple weeks. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, in, in this culture, in this day and age, and we don't see a whole lot of slavery ourselves right in front of our eyes and that kind of thing, um, this doesn't maybe resonate like it did with them, where at that point in time where there were masters and slaves and all this kind of thing. But, I mean, this is, this is, a, big, this is a big statement Jesus is, uh, that Paul is sharing with us here. Uh, and, and he's talking about, you know, that you are being brought into the family and that being brought into the family means you are literally a part of the family. You're not living out there in the slave house. You're being brought in and adopted. It says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted into the family. It goes on even furthermore to show how serious the adoption is. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs. Heirs of God 
and follow heirs with Christ, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God's saying we've been made heirs. We've been made sons and daughters. We've been brought to the table. We've been, we've been invited to the inner circle. That's what God is doing for us. We started a, an adoption process, actually twice. Uh, back before we had kids, we, there was a moment in time where we were trying to have kids, and we didn't, we got, it got long enough where we kind of come to the understanding we thought that we couldn't have kids. That was wrong. God has a sense of humor. He furthered that sense of humor with us getting all the way through the home study of an adoption the first time. And so we go, we, you know, I'll never forget. We were down, there was a group of us, 24 was really new at the time, but there was a group of us, just a handful of us, we had gone to help Katrina victims down in uh, Mississippi. And uh, down in Mississippi, we're helping these people and all this stuff, and there's no cell service, anything. And the uh, best thing about the week was a guy loaned me his power stroke, you know, and that his, his pickup truck. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving driving this truck the whole week and getting to work this truck. By the end of the week, I'm like, i got to have one of these. Um, and so, uh, anyway, we're, we're down there working and everything. I get a phone, finally get a phone call middle of the week, and it's Erin. And uh, she was back here. Uh, again, we'd gotten through the home study, and she's getting ready for a yard sale that people in the church had donated items to to help raise money for our adoption, because adoption is not free. And so we're, you know, going through all I get this phone call, it's Aaron, it's not, you know, I'm on some road, headed home, she catches me in a spot where I got self-service, so I, I just pull over, I remember, never forget, I pull over next to this baseball field, there's like nothing around, and, uh, and I said, hey, what's up, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, um, I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay, what's up? Well, we're pregnant. <laughs> okay. I was like, are you sure? And she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. This is the first time you got, you know, I was like, did you, how many of the things did you pee on, you know? I mean, that's, like, did we do, like, the best, like, four out of five, or, you know, what, what are we doing here? So she's like, no, no, I've talked to my sister. This is a pretty sure thing, you know, you know. So, anyway, we're having a baby. Well, you know, we started an adoption, raising money. She's having a yard sale the next morning. She's like, what do I do? She's like, I feel like if we have his yard sale, I'm going to be living a lie. And I was like, I guess go ahead and have it. We still got to pay for that $1,000 home study. And she was like, yeah, I guess so. All right. So she goes on with it. Adoption is one of those beautiful things. My wife's actually adopted herself. It's one of those beautiful things where a family looks at someone and says, I want you to be a part of my family. Not you go live in the guest house, not you go live in the slave quarters. I want you to be a part of our family. God looked at us, saw our sin, knew that it would be there, planned from the beginning that he would make a way for us to be forgiven and find the righteousness that only comes in Jesus by sending Jesus himself to die for us, to live a life, to die for us, to defeat death, raise again, that we might have a relationship with him, that we might know him. And folks, let me tell you something. He did did that for anyone who would believe.
Let me say that again. He did that for anyone who would believe. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Let's talk about that suffering for just a minute. We love suffering, don't we? No, nobody loves suffering. But I'm going to tell you what, if we're going to suffer, isn't it at least good to know that it could be for the glory of God? That if we're going to go through something that God doesn't want us to waste it, He wants us to be able to use it for His glory, that that we might be able to point people to Him in the midst of those terrible times of life, that we could hold fast to Him, that we could cling to Him no matter how bad it gets. You see, adoption's not free. Adoption's never free. Even if, even if somebody waived all the money, parts of adoption, it's still not free. You're investing time, you're investing emotions, you're investing room in the house. I mean, think about it. Adoption is a big sacrifice. Inviting someone else into your home. Imagine this. Imagine that you and your siblings, or if you're an only child like me, rock on. Makes it much easier when this day comes. Let's just imagine that the day comes that you're having to go sit in front of that lawyer who's going to read that will to you. Probably somebody you don't hardly know, and they're reading you all the stuff that your parents or your last sibling or whatever it was left you, and you're going in there and you're, hope, you're, hoping, you're hoping to cash in, right? I mean, let's just face it. That's where everybody's head's at, so I'm just going to go ahead and hit it. And so you go in there and you think, man, this is going to be the day. Mama's going to leave me all that good stuff that I've been looking at and, and, and thinking about all these years. I'm going to get to put that stuff at my house, hoping she's got a bunch of money in the bank. And you get there, and the lawyer says, well, everybody have a seat. And all of a sudden, there comes some random people in there. You didn't even know who they were. And they're just there. And you're like, well, I don't know why they're here, but whatever. Maybe they're lawyers or something, too. So he starts reading the will. And then he gets about halfway through, and he said, well, you know, you... You know, so here's what you get. You're getting the doormat, and you're getting, you know, that old swing set that's falling apart. And it uh, turns out that uh, apparently they didn't really care much about you. And uh, these other people over here, they're getting the house, and they're getting the money in the bank, and they're getting all that stuff. You wouldn't think too much about that, would you? The beauty of the family of God is that we're all made heirs. And it doesn't cheat any of us out of anything. We all get an equal amount of God's love. If you're here today and you've bought into some lie at some point in time that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, you've done too many bad things in your life, God would never, God would never invite you to be a part of His family. God would never overlook those things. Even with Jesus, even with the blood shed on the cross, God still wouldn't overlook those things. You're like, I'm here to tell you, those things are a lie. And God loves you. And He cares for you. And He wants you to be an equal heir sitting at the table family of God. So what's it for? What's the purpose? What's the purpose in which God has done all of this? 
I think for so many of us, we have maybe weird ideas of what family looks like. You know, maybe you live in a family where you're kind of in a Brady Bunch family, as I like to call it, where, you know, God's brought, you know, two people together, they already had kids or, or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, we've got all kinds of families, and I think it's awesome, by the way. We have all kinds of families here at our church. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe, maybe you lost a spouse. Maybe you've raised kids by yourself. Maybe you had help. Maybe, I don't know, maybe your grandparents, like Dottie was talking about, you know, had been more like a dad than her real dad. I want to I encourage you in something. If that's you, and you have struggled, especially with a father relationship in your life, I want to say something to you that's very important. It would be really easy, and you could probably attest to this way more than I could, it would be really easy for you, when you think about God, your heavenly father, it would be real easy for you to try to put on to him who that father has been for you as an earthly father. And, and i got to tell you, I, I've got a dad who is unbelievable. An earthly father. I've got an earthly father who loves Jesus. He loves people. He serves people with his life. I'm telling you. I mean, he, he's an amazing man. But I'll also tell you this. I can let him down. I can let my earthly father down. He can be disappointed in me. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was a youth pastor at that time in East Nashville. I'll never forget driving in the driveway the day that I bleached my hair blonde. Now, my hair had been long. I'd grown it out. It was long. I looked like I was in Skid Row or something, you know. And uh, some of y'all don't even know who that is. Um, and, and, then, uh, and then I'd cut it short, and then I'd grown it back. It was a little past my shoulders, and I decided I was going to, I just decided I was going to bleach it blonde. I just, I don't know, I just was like, I wonder what it would be like to have blonde hair. I don't know. Well, let's go find out. So I had this girl bleach it blonde. I come driving in the driveway that day. My dad, must have been his day off, he's out there in the driveway, uh, out there kind of like gardening, and that's his thing, he loves to garden, and he's out there in his gardening clothes and all this kind of stuff, and, and I pull up in the driveway, and I can see the look on his face, he's looking at me in my car like, what is that? And I get, I get, I get out of my car, I get out of my car, and he looks at me and he says, what have you done? And, I mean, you know, and of course, you got you to take an effect. Like, he's thinking, I'm in a traditional church. He's done traditional ministry all these years. He's like, you don't realize what you've done. I mean, he just, he just goes, I mean, like, it's like he just begins lamenting in, you know, and like the shovels and there's flowers flying. And, and he's just like, oh, my God, Christopher. You know, and I mean, oh. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I was like, it'll be fine. It's just hair. He's like, no, son. No. I love my dad. You know, I think it's important for us to realize, and as great of a dad as I've got, it's important for us to remember that our Heavenly Father is nothing like earthly people. and His promises are good all the time. He doesn't make promises and break them. He doesn't say, I'm going to come to the game and not show up. He doesn't, he, he doesn't do any of that. He's always there. He's always true. He always has been. Like, this isn't new to him. 
He's been doing this the whole time, and He's still the same Father that He's been to us since day one before we ever entered the world. Here's the beauty of having a Heavenly Father, is oftentimes He can bring restoration and redeem the earthly situations. He can bring restoration and redeem the earthly situations. He can redeem some of these earthly family relationships that we've got oftentimes. If everybody will let him, he can do it. But even if not, we have the promise of who he is. And it doesn't matter who our earthly fathers are. He's always going to be who he's going to be. The trouble is this. We even as family members recreate sometimes the things that we don't like about the families that we grew up in. I spend a lot of time in counseling talking about this with people, especially premarital counseling. When I do premarital counseling with a couple, one of the things that we go through is we talk about their parents. I'm sure that they, they wonder why in the world we, we start going through all these questions about their parents. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your mom and dad. Tell me about uh, their relationships with each other. Tell me about their relationships with you and your siblings. Tell me about their relationships with Jesus. And then we hash all that out, and I tell them, you know, don't be afraid, let's get it all out on the table. We get done with that, I look at them and say this, say, okay, now here's, here's the important thing. You, you can verbally tell me things that you know were issues within their relationship, and it's not knocking their parents. It's just talking about reality. You can verbally tell me about things that were, situ- were, things that were not good about your parents' relationships, either with each other or with you guys or with Jesus, But you're going to have to watch that you don't recreate that because that's exactly what we end up doing a lot of times. And a lot of that comes back to we're not making Jesus the number one love in our life. If we will do that, he will help us to see more clearly of what it looks like to love those people around us, to be great husbands, to be great wives, to be to be great sons and daughters, to be great brothers and sisters, to be great friends to one another, changes everything. So what's God's will? Remember that. Remember what it said? It said, it said that if we were going to be some of those people that do God's will, what did, what did Mark say? He said, for whoever, Jesus says this, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister, and mother. Well, what's the will of God? If, we're, if we want to be those people, if we want to be children of God, if we want to be sons and daughters, how do we know what the will of God is? John 6.40. John 6.40. It says this. It says, for this is the will of the Father. There's no questioning it, okay? <laughs> this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes on Him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day believe in Jesus trust in Jesus take a step into putting your faith into Jesus and see what happens start a relationship with Jesus that's what God wants that's why he's sinning he's sinning that he might die for us I don't have time to share it, but I'll just make mention if you're taking notes, you can throw it in there. A passage that you can look at later and that me and the guys in my micro group 
uh, got to talking about this week as we're going through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. We see all throughout that passage even more of these little tidbits of us and the family of God and what, what God has done in sending Christ to die for us. Uh, it says even that through death He might destroy the one who has who has the power of death, that is the devil, that even, even he sent Jesus even to defeat Satan on our behalf, that we could be a part of the family. And it talks all about uh, being the brothers and all this stuff. It's, it's awesome. It's good stuff. We know this. We know that great families, we know that great families love each other. We know that they laugh together, that they talk, they communicate. They actually know what's going on with one another. They play with each other. They have a good time together. They support one another. They, they serve one another. They're there for one another. And all those comments that I got on Facebook last night, you know what the bottom line, common denominator was and all that stuff, you can go back and look at it for yourself, was, was just seeing one person after another, and it's what Brandy was saying too, that, that these are people who have loved me no matter what. No matter what. We can let each other down. Hey, do you know that's okay? Do you know it's okay to let each other down? Do you know it's okay to not be perfect? A.K. you can't be perfect. And I can't either. We're sinners. We're going to screw up. We need Jesus. He's the perfect one. He's the one that we want God to see when He looks at us. For Him to put His righteousness on us is exactly that. That God the Father would see Jesus when He sees us. We need to be a family for one another who is actually there for each other, pouring time into each other. Field of Dreams. Watch that movie, Field of Dreams, Friday night. It's my wife and I's anniversary yesterday, and my daughters decided that they were going to fix us a little spaghetti dinner We'd both fallen asleep Friday afternoon. It was field day at school, and I'd been working, doing a bunch of stuff, and hauling stuff around, too. Get home, we both kind of accidentally fell asleep. It's like, woke up at like 7.30 to one of my kids going, Daddy, you got to get up, and you got to go upstairs, and you got to get dressed up. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I don't get dressed up for anybody, you know? You seen me at a wedding? So... <laughs> They were being really sweet, and they had gotten us a, a dinner together. And so out on the front porch where it was cold, uh, but it was cool. You know, it was cool. It was great, you know, great memories and all that stuff. And so we, we go out there, and we, we have dinner, and, you know, we're hanging out and all this kind of stuff. It was real sweet. And, uh, and then we finally go back inside, and they had heard us. We were talking about movies that were okay for us to watch as a family or whatever, and, and uh, some that they hadn't seen. And, and one of them was Field of Dreams a while back. And so Gracie goes and pops in Field of Dreams. The movie starts coming on. I was like, who picked this? I mean, I knew what it was as soon as I, I heard the music. I'm like, I, you know, Shoeless Joe Jackson, come on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I love baseball history and stuff. So, you know, and then you, you know, throw in some ghosts in a cornfield and all that kind of stuff. That's cool too, right? So my kids never seen it. So we all sit down. We watch Field of Dreams. And, you know, I, you know it's a fun movie, whatever. One of the things that struck me in Field of Dreams was, and I knew this, but I'd kind of forgotten, just how supportive uh, Ray's wife Annie is of him. I mean, you th think that, you know, like all, all through the, uh, the theme of the thing is they're going to lose the farm. If you haven't seen Field of Dreams, I'm spoiling it right now, okay? 
They're going to lose the farm because Ray has plowed under a big part of the corn crop here, which is their livelihood, to build a baseball field for ghost baseball men from the dead ball era pre-1920s to come play on. And Annie's like, whatever, whatever you think, whatever you think we need to do, you know, I support you, I support you. And of course, like her brother's in the movie and he thinks she's crazy and he thinks that they're all crazy and thinks the kid's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, and it is, it's kind of crazy, let's face it. But the devotion that she has for her husband was striking to me in a day and age when I see so many people struggle in their marriages to support one another through thick and thin. And honestly, to see, to see even people of the church support one another through thick and thin. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to let people down. We've got to remember that we are called to show God's grace to one another as it has been given to us that we would give it to those who also let us down. And guess what? Eventually, we'll let them down too. And we're going to need that grace as well. But I don't want that to interrupt the fact that we have a family. The family's important. The family's so important that Jesus thought that in this moment that he should stir the pot and at least for half a second make them think that he was disowning his own family in a culture where that would probably get you kicked out of town if not stoned to death. Here's the beauty of it. As we suffer together, as it talks about in that passage in Romans, as we suffer together, we become a family who becomes stronger together. A bunch of us have been through a lot together. I see people in this room that have been with me in this room or a different room on Sunday mornings for the last 13 years. I can't tell you how much that means to me. And i got to tell you, that even as God at times has thrown opportunities up for me to leave here and go somewhere else, the, the only thing that has kept me here when I have prayed that prayer, God, what are you leading me to do? What are you leading my family to do? Where are you calling me to be in ministry? Has been every single time the faces of the people that are this body of believers, and God saying, you can't leave. You can't leave. And that's, that's, that's a God-leading thing. But he has, he has said clearly to me, you can't leave, Chris. You're not, I'm not calling you to leave. You're called to stay. This is your family. Folks, we got to be willing to fight together. we got to be willing to go to war together. We are brothers and sisters together because of what Christ has done for us. Our kids need to see this in us. Our kids need to see this so much so they they need to know what we really worship in this world. Because let me tell you what, we can real easily lead them to believe that we worship something else other than Jesus. And in fact, we we need to check our worship like we need to ask ourselves constantly as 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 and even even if you're not a parent but you know your friends or your spouse or whatever we need to constantly check ourselves like what is it that we worship in this world and i got i got to read this to you from Kent Hughes and i'm going to close on this it's, an, it's a quote from a commentator and i've been reading through some of his mark commentary and it's just amazing and Kent Hughes in talking about this very thing he says this he says the tragedy is this every earthly 
loyalty, if it is made central, in other words, if it becomes the thing here, if it's made central, becomes idolatry, and all idolatries eventually destroy their worshipers. I'll say that again. I'll read that again. The tragedy is this. Every earthly loyalty, if it is made central, becomes idolatry, and all idolatries eventually destroy their worshipers. We don't want to fall into that. We don't want to fall into leading anybody, kids, friends, family members, whatever. We don't want to fall, we don't want to fall into anybody believing that we think that there is anything more important than Jesus himself. That's tough to do in this world. And we've got to fight for that. That means sometimes making decisions, even as families, sometimes that are not popular with the status quo. And you've got to decide where God's leading you with that. I can't do that for you. I'm glad of that. I'm glad that that's all between us and the Lord. But as you pray and you seek the Lord, I pray that you would also remember what it said in verse 35 of Mark 3. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And if you're here today and you say, you know, Chris, I'm not in that family yet. I'm here to tell you that John 6.40 tells us that you can be. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes on Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. May our faith and understanding of being a part of the new family be based on nothing but Jesus, not anything we can do, but only what He has done. Let's pray. God, thank You. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you for giving him as the, as the only sacrifice that we could ever have. Only he could be enough. Lord, I pray right now for anybody that has never believed in you, has never trusted in you. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would believe in what you've done through your son Jesus and that it was done as a gift and not something that we can earn. God, thank you for the greatest gift of all time. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of your family. Lord, heirs to a kingdom, to a family that is unbelievable and unlike anything else on earth. God, thank you. Lord, lead us as believers to follow you, to be the family that you've called us to be, that this community would see a group of people who love Jesus wholeheartedly, that they're willing to overcome pride, that they're willing to overcome differences, Lord, to point people in your direction. God, use us collectively together as the family. Lord, help us to be a part of the family. And not just attenders, but Lord, people who are willing to get their hands messy and serve and love one another. We love you and we thank you for what you've done for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.